Do you love RPGs? Do you like listening to people talk about RPGs? Then let me tell you about the RPG After Years, your weekly show covering all things RPGs from the past, present, and future. Join Scott, Rich, and Bill each week as they do deep dives on RPGs, both retro and modern. Want reviews of RPGs? We do that. Want the latest news in RPGs? We do that too. We even host an RPG book club to do community play-alongs of RPGs, from the likes of Secret of Mana to Near Automata. The current game is Squaresoft's legendary 1995 SNES RPG, Chrono Trigger. You can find the RPG After Years on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever your preferred podcasting platform may be. So come join in with us as we travel across time. My name is Chris Carroll, and this is Comic Zombie. I freeze. I'm Batman. I am the law of the Jumano, bitch! Some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate a bill. Hey everybody, Chris here with another episode of Comic Zombie. Thanks for joining us. Um, no Eric today. There is a, a t- there is a terrible slash great uh, '90s Spider-Man story I've been dying to talk about, and uh, just couldn't really find the place for it. So just figured I'd go ahead and get it out of my system before I go mad. Uh, and that is Maximum Carnage. Before he was terribly adapted to the small and big screens, uh, Carnage was an absolutely terrifying and entertaining villain for Marvel. He had only just debuted one uh, story, like one appearance prior to this. So this this story is his second appearance. Um, for those reading along at home, his first appearance can be found in 1992's Amazing Spider-Man issues 361 through 363 by David Michelinie and Mark Bagley. Uh, Carnage is, think Venom and the Joker in a blender. You know, he's uh, very much the Joker with an alien suit on in a lot of ways. He even kind of looks like him uh, when he doesn't have the costume on. He's kind of, if you just took the makeup off the Joker or took the white paint off the Joker and colored his hair red, he kind of looks just like uh, Carnage's human host, Cletus Cassidy. So speaking of Cletus Cassidy, he's a convicted serial killer uh, who shared a cell with the symbiote-less Eddie Brock for a time. So not Venom, but Eddie Brock after uh, Venom had been defeated, you know, third or fourth time he showed up, I guess, and uh, Spider-Man put him in jail. So anyway, yeah, they're, they're roommates and cellmates, and they don't really get along, but that's not important uh, other than the fact that they just never get along. Uh, at one point, after a while in there, the symbiote kind of breaks free of its captivity, and it comes and busts Eddie out of jail uh, by ripping the wall off the outside of the jail and just bonding with him and hopping out his venom. Uh, when he leaves, he leaves behind a small drop of himself that we later find out is that the symbiotes are actually asexual, so venom is not a he or a she, um, and he it spawned, so it gave birth to a new symbiote. Unfortunately for everyone on Earth, that symbiote bonded with Cletus Cassidy, who was the most prolific serial killer in American history, possibly human history, before he got the alien murder suit. So that's fun. Um, Unlike Venom, who, you know, he and Eddie have like a symbiosis, they're partners. Carnage and, and Cassidy, or Cassidy, really become like one being. The symbiote doesn't just bond with him physically. It goes into his bloodstream. Like it becomes a part of him to the point which we find out later uh, you cannot kill one. You have to kill both if you're going to kill him. You can't just kill the suit because it'll keep coming back unless Cassidy's completely dead. And even if he dies, as we actually see much, 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 much later, um, the suit can still walk him around like a meat puppet and it has is his personality so it's still like you're dealing with him it's really disturbing so anyway in the first appearance uh carnage's first appearance as carnage spider-man's forced to team up with venom to fight him which he hates because at this point spider-man and venom are big time enemies it's like spider-man teaming up with like doc ock or the green goblin to fight somebody it just you know was a big deal at the time um now they're like buddies so it doesn't you know whatever so spider-man and venom are forced to team up to defeat carnage which they do obviously and after being defeated, he is remanded to um, it's basically the Spider Spider Book's version of Batman's Arkham Asylum. It's like the home for the criminally insane. It's called Ravencroft Institute. 
so that's kind of where kind of putting the, the pieces in place. That's where everybody is. That's kind of what's happened before this story. Just kind of as far as where the characters are, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of context, I think, that needs to be provided. Uh, when we pick up the story, Spidey is married to Mary Jane. So this is pre-Deal with the Devil, and I swear I'm not making that up. That's actually a thing that happened. Um, anyway, they are married at the time, and they're kind of in a bit of a rough patch, which will be beaten over our heads with a hammer by Maximum Carnage. And in fact, every point it has to make will be beaten over our heads with a hammer, but trying to work through their problems all the same. His, okay, his parents are around in the story, Spider-Man's parents, which if you know anything about Spider-Man or if you've seen the Andrew Garfield Amazing Spider-Man films, you know that his parents are quite dead. Um, we are about to enter probably the darkest era in Spider-Man's publishing history where really in Marvel Comics history. Um, it's not great. It kind of culminates with uh, the Clone Saga mess and um, you know, rebooting the kid. Just, it's just not good. There's a lot of really bad stuff that comes up here. But uh, we are not quite there. We're still in the, the entertaining phase. Um, so nothing's kind of gone off the rails just yet. But th the signs are there. And the first thing is the return of Peter Parker's parents. Now, in the comics, Peter's parents were not just scientists that made spiders and stuff. They were actually working for S.H.I.E.L.D. as spies. And the story that Ben and May and later Peter had always been told was that they were killed in action. There's a whole story there, but it's not important here. The people that show up claiming to be Peter's parents claim that they were never actually killed, but they were kept in a Russian prison camp that's mostly used for spies and defectors and, and uh, enemies of the state and stuff like that. And then after a long, long time, they got out, and now they're just coming back to make up for lost time. In the stupidest twist on top of an already stupid twist, much later, we come to find out that they're not even human beings at all. They are um, basically life model decoys, which are like robots that are made to look and sound and act exactly like a person, and S.H.I.E.L.D. uses them sometimes. And they're kind of like life model decoys. It's just, it's really stupid. They're like these big monster machine things um, that were created by the chameleon to torment Peter Parker, not knowing that he was Spider-Man on the behest of the Harry Osborn Green Goblin. So after Harry Osborn as the Green Goblin dies, and he and Peter have a moment when he dies, like, you know, kind of forgiving each other, um, Peter comes to find out that this horrible thing that's been done to him was actually done to him by his now dead friend so he can't really take revenge but again much later story anyway that's why his parents are suddenly in the story and i will mention them from time to time so i wanted to make sure that i didn't jump into this mess in the middle of talking about this other mess we're going to get into uh albeit an entertaining mess to kind of you know knock things off the rails so parents alive but not really very stupid and anyway uh, moving over to our other we'll say main character uh, Eddie Brock slash Venom is hanging out in San Francisco, lethal protecting, and Cletus Cassidy Carnage is locked up in our, uh, Ravencroft. So, again, for those reading along at home, Maximum Carnage takes place in the following issues from 1993, the greatest year. Part 1 takes place in the newly launched Spider-Man Unlimited issue number 1, and then moves across all of the Spider titles of the time, and there were many. There was Amazing Spider-Man, The Spectacular Spider-Man, The Web of Spider-Man, and just Spider-Man. Um, all Volume 1s, FYI, if you are looking to track those down online or at your local comic book store. Um, so yeah, Chapter 1 is in the newly launched Spider-Man Unlimited Issue 1, and you can find Parts 2 through 13 in Amazing Spider-Man Issues 378 through 380. Spectacular Spider-Man issues 201 through 203, uh, Web of Spider-Man 101 through 103, and Spider-Man 35 through 37 before the story concludes in chapter 14 in Spider-Man Unlimited issue number two. Again, all volume ones for anybody following along at home. Creative teams on the books, Tom DeFalco, who later went on to be one of Marvel's editors-in-chief, uh, wrote the Unlimited Issues. David Michelini, who was the creator or co-creator of both Venom and Carnage, wrote the Amazing Spider-Man Issues and helped on a bit here and there on the Spider-Man Issues. Terry Cavanaugh, 
did the web of Spider-Man issues and helped on Spider-Man as well. And finally, J.M. Dematius, uh, who did the amazing Craven's Last Hunt, did Spectacular Spider-Man and also helped out on Spider-Man. Uh, the artwork and the unlimited issues is by Ron Lim from Infinity Gauntlet fame. Mark Bagley, uh, who had been a longtime artist on Amazing Spider-Man and continues to work on the Spider-Man books, uh, maybe most famous for a huge run on Ultimate Spider-Man, uh, does the amazing issues here. Sal Boshema does the spectacular Spider-Man issues. Tom Lyle does the Spider-Man issues. And Alex Civic does the web of Spider-Man issues. Uh, our main cast of characters is very large, so bear with me for just a moment here. We've got Spidey himself, duh. Uh, his main supporting cast at the time, Mary Jane, Aunt May, Flash Thompson, his parents. Ugh. Uh, also, on Team Spidey, we will meet with Venom, the Black Cat, Cloak and Dagger, Firestar, who you may know from the New Warriors title, or probably for most people from the classic Spider-Man and his amazing friends, uh, cartoon where he teamed up with Iceman and our girl Firestar here. Uh, we will also see Iron Fist, who most people will know from the terrible Netflix series. Deathlock, who is actually a super cool character. He's been around for a while, but this iteration was very popular in the early 90s. Basically, he is a corpse who is uh, hooked up to like a half-zombie, half-cybernetic body that is run by a uh, very advanced artificial intelligence why he's in this story, I have no fucking clue with most of these people, but we'll get to that. But anyway, Deathlock can be found here. You'll also see Captain America himself, Morbius, the living vampire, who we'll see in movie theaters coming soon. And finally, Nightwatch, who, like many people, does not need to be in this story. I blame nobody for not knowing who he is. Uh, if you know who Todd McFarlane's Spawn is, think everything about Spawn that's cool stripped away except a really, really poor ripoff of his look and a sentient cape and kind of claw fingers. Uh, and that's Nightwatch. He sucks. Uh, Team Carnage, you'll see, of course, Carnage himself. And he will meet up with Shriek, who a version of which can have been found in Venom, Let There Be Carnage, the terrible, terrible Venom sequel. Uh, we will also see Demo Goblin, which, besides having one of the worst names of all time, is a very strange character. So to know who he is, you kind of have to know all this goblin history. But long story short, um, there was a guy who, after Norman Osborn was thought dead, found his cachet of weapons, created the persona of the Hobgoblin. Years later, um, another guy came and killed who he thought was the Hobgoblin and became the new Hobgoblin. <laughs> And he was getting his ass beat by everybody from Doctor Strange to Moon Knight to Spider-Man. So he made a deal with a demon, as one does, to gain new powers. After a, uh, a while of a demonic hobgoblin, which was actually kind of cool, um, he got excised and they split into two beings. There was the worthless human hobgoblin of Jason Masondale or Mackendale. can never figure out how to pronounce it. And then the demon version, which was flying around on a goblin glider made of fire has like yellow scaly skin, red eyes and a long tongue and wants to kill sinners, which in his mind can be anybody. Like visually is kind of cool, but it's like, what the fuck is this dude doing in a Spider-Man comic book? He does not belong here. You put him in Ghost Rider, sure. Moon Knight even, sure. But yeah, no, Blade should be fighting this dude, not Spider-Man. Anyway, um, two more members of Team Carnage. One is Carrion, who all you really need to know about Carrion is he looks like he's dead. And he rots people with a touch. So if he puts his hands on you, you're a goner. The last character is, again, and this is the problem with a lot of 90s comics, you have to have read a bunch of other stuff to have any idea what this is. Uh, it's the Spider-Man doppelganger. Now, f you can find him in uh, the story Infinity War, which is the follow-up to Infinity Gauntlet. And in that story, it doesn't matter how, it's a very long story explaining, but... A bunch of duplicates of Earth heroes came and tried to take out the Earth heroes and replace them. At first, they look just like our heroes, but when they reveal their true selves, they're demonic versions. So this is a Spider-Man who looks like he's wearing Spider-Man's costume, but he has like the six arms, like in that classic, you know, Peter Parker with the two bare arms sticking out of his sides. Like, what the fuck? Um, so it has six arms, but they it, like they're all costumed and they're his. Uh, 
fingers are like, you know, clawed. And he has like a the the pattern of the mask on his face and the big white eyes, but those are his actual eyes. And he has a mouth that's like made out of razor teeth. And his webbing is like barbed wire. So he's really scary, but it's like, again, it's the 90s. So you just got to roll with it. But if you didn't ever read Infinity War or weren't reading comics at the time this came out, when you see him, you're like, what? Um, and they don't really go into much explanation about who he is or how he's there or what he's doing. Um, you know, other than he wants to find and kill Spider-Man, which pretty much everybody in the story wants to. So join the club, buddy. So, um, you know, this story is big, loud, and dumb, like most big 90s events. But I was 12 when it came out, and it hit all the right spots for me. In fact, if the Sinister Six had shown up at one point, I might have died. The resolution is, I think it would be kind to say that it's utter garbage. I mean, it is just pure shit. Uh, We will certainly get to that. But for most of its 14 parts... Of, the, of Maximum Carnage, the pacing is quick, if not sometimes repetitive and other times really repetitive. Uh, but our heroes are pushed to the edge physically and mentally, and we as readers are pushed to the edge of sanity at times with some of the character work. But at the end of the day, Maximum Carnage is like a big, stupid summer popcorn movie that happens to have a serial killer wearing, wearing an alien as skin, murdering his way across New York City. So take it for what it is, and you'll hopefully enjoy it. Basically, in part one, um, while being transported through the prison, Carnage kind of comes out of Cassidy. So he he rejoins and he just murders his way out. He just kills everybody. uh, And he's having a ball. While he's in there, he meets a woman named Shriek, who, while everybody else is screaming and trying to get away, she's laughing. She's enjoying the show. She's asking for more bloodshed, more chaos. So Carnage is immediately like, who, who, who is this? So instead of killing her, he takes her with him. Like they're they're gonna, you know, sensibly a couple now or an item, or they're just Bonnie and Clyde their way through shit. You know, uh, Mickey and Mallory, more than Bonnie and Clyde, I guess. But uh, so he kills his way out of there, and he has a new buddy. When we meet him with Spidey, he's he's at Harry's service, and nobody's coping well. Uh, it, you know, Peter most of all. Yeah, so I'm trying to think. It, 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 basically, right after they get out, Carnage and the Street get out. I mean, like within a few pages, maybe the Spider-Man doppelganger sw- swings in and he tries to kill Carnage, thinking he's Spider-Man. I guess I don't know. Um, Carnage, of course, beats his ass, uh, but Shriek likes him, and so when Carnage is about to kill him, all of a sudden this like sonic blast, which the alien suits are weak against sonics and fire, things that don't exist in a vacuum, which is where they're from. So anyway, she fires a sonic blast from her hands, which he didn't know she could do, and tells Carnage to leave him alone, that she kind of likes him and wants to keep him as a pet, keep him around as a buddy, which the doppelganger is weirdly into. Yeah, so the way they explain this is so funny. Like, they uh, when the, the, the doppelganger is attacking Carnage, he says, you know, while I was locked in the vault, I heard some goofy rumors about a pack of evil duplicates from outer space, and nah, it's all too hokey for words. Well, you said it, man. Um, yeah, so Peter's out looking for Chinese takeout, and when he's in the restaurant to pick it up, he hears on the radio that Carnage has escaped and immediately freaks out. Like, over 50 people are dead, and he hops into action as Spider-Man. And in one of those insane coincidences that only happen in comics and movies, I guess, maybe TV, whatever, um, he is almost immediately attacked by Shriek and the doppelganger, who uh, he, of course, learns have teamed up with Carnage. He's able to knock Shriek out, but that leaves him open for an attack from the doppelganger to get in a really good shot, which knocks him from the rooftop they're fighting on. And when he lands, he uh, he busts his ribs. And the doppelganger oddly shows a lot of concern for Shriek. Instead of, you know, fulfilling his prime objective and killing Spider-Man, he grabs Shriek and fucks off. We then close the issue with Jameson at the Bugle coming in to see Carnage waiting for him on his desk. So... As far as part ones go, it's a little paint by the numbers. They do a decent job of setting up Carnage for new readers, uh, showing how powerful he is and, and how, how readily he's able to kill people. It, it does a decent job for the time, at least, introducing Shriek, reintroducing the doppelganger, and establishing where Peter and his supporting cast are in their lives. Uh, but, you know, it, it's nothing special in part one unless you're just like, sweet Carnage. So part two is in Web of Spider-Man 101. Basically, uh, the big moments in this one is that Spider-Man, who's unconscious in the alley he fell into, is about to get like jumped by some typical 90s street toughs. And Cloak and Dagger, his, his allies, pop in and save the day. Now, if those who don't know, Cloak and Dagger are a couple of teen runaways who were experimented on. 
and Dagger is a white female and Cloak is an African-American male. So at the time they were in, created, it was uh, I'm not gonna, it was a little controversial, to be honest with you, but they, they've always been some of my favorites. Basically, Cloak has a giant blue cloak <laughs> and he can uh, teleport anywhere in the blink of an eye. And he has a his cloak is full of uh, an entry to what's called the dark force dimension. So he can suck people into his cloak and they go into this place of pure darkness and they like experience their worst nightmares and stuff. It's pretty badass. Dagger is uh, wears all white and she throws like light knives, which sound kind of stupid, but they um, they can like cure you know injuries, I think, but they can definitely like cure sickness or poisoning. Um, and they can like cure madness. They can they're actually pretty effective. They can also uh, be used as like concussive objects or even hot. So anyway, cloak and dagger pretty cool. So they're introduced to the story. Carnage, who by the way doesn't kill Jameson as we saw at the end, uh, which is very strange. He didn't really even harm anyone. He just demanded that Jonah put out word that Carnage is looking for Spider-Man and Venom. I mean, they're gonna find you, bro. But whatever. So cloak and dagger are kind of helping Spidey patch up his busted ribs when like out of nowhere the doppelganger smashes through the window of this church that they're in and like how do you know where to find them he immediately attacks spider-man and before really much else can happen um shriek comes crashing through the ceiling joins the attack so things go from bad to worse when carnage then shows up so i don't know how the hell they knew everybody's in this church but anyway here we go and uh shriek finds out that her attacks can not only hurt cloak but are actually quite capable of killing him which is not something people thought was possible because the dude's like pretty badass so um anyway she reveals that shriek reveals that she used to be a regular old drug dealer uh before she was nabbed by cloak and was pulled into the dark force dimension that powers his cloak anyway uh the time she spent there drove her mad and she wants to return the favor by killing him so (laughs) while spidey who's got broken ribs is trying to fight carnage by himself Shriek presses her attack on Cloak, so Dagger jumps in the middle of him, only to be exploded when the attack hits her, killing Dagger. The villains, who now have a huge advantage, suddenly take off. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Unbeknownst to them, they are being watched by a shadowy figure. (sighs) Ah, 90s. Who identifies them as my kind of people. Yeah, anyway, it's Demo Goblin. He's he's watching them, and he's like, ah, cool, that's cool. Um, so across the country in San Fran, at the end of this issue, two random street toughs, ah, 90s, accost a woman for her purse, and suddenly Venom pops out of the sewer and kills both of them. And they're in front of, like, an electronic store and the storefront television. Uh, as Venom's, like, squeezing these dudes' heads to death with this suit, he sees the news about Carnage's escape and heads off to New York. Yeah, so a real quick comment about the end of that issue. It's kind of weird. We know that at the end of part one, Carnage says to Jameson, uh, you're going to help me find Venom, basically. So we know at the end of part one, it's like, here comes Venom. And then part two ends with him like, I better go to New York. So it's like, here comes Venom. So the first sign that we're getting into the repetitive area. So Amazing Spider-Man 378 is part three. This is where things start to kind of take form. So Carnage and his little merry gang... Oh, by the way, Mark Bagley's art is fantastic in these issues. But Carnage and his gang start really amping up the body count here and start killing civilians, police officers, all kinds of shit. Cloak is heartbroken over Dagger's death and just leaves. So now Spidey has no allies and is busted up. Yeah, so cool. So we get the first sign of the marital issues here where Mary Jane's pissed off. He's like, you promised you were going to stop trying to be Spidey for a while after Harry died, but, you know, it's been an hour and you're already all fucked up for being Spider-Man and where's my Chinese food? Um, You know, and then he's going like, this is who I am and I did try, but how can I not act with so many innocent lives and blah, 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 blah. In the 90s, this was like the shitty, lazy version of creating tension and drama in the marriage, which... It didn't need, but whatever. It, it, anyway, it's we're going to hear a lot of this crap in this story, especially. Shriek, uh, Spidey's out looking for, for Carnage in them, right? He, he and Mary Jane stop fighting, and he kind of tapes himself up, and he goes swinging around. And this is where he runs into Demo Goblin, uh, who tries to kill a priest, and Spidey, you know, uh, saves him, but again, aggravates his broken ribs. So clearly this dude's, like, far from 100%. So he's like, you know, I, I don't know where anybody else is. I can't say, I can't do shit right now. I'm worthless. So he goes home to try to, like, recuperate a little bit. Oh, yeah, there's this really cool scene. Uh, well, really cool. There's this 
interesting scene back in Central Park, and there are just bodies everywhere. And Carnage is bragging that he needs a calculator because the body count is starting to hurt my brain. Um, Venom shows up to confront Carnage, but he was not aware that Cassidy had teamed up with two shitty characters, one of whom has the power of Sonics, which is like one of his two big weaknesses. So not a great fight for Venom. Pete's home with Mary Jane watching TV, trying to recuperate and like, you know, calm her down. Uh, when there's a knock at the door, and it's a brutalized Eddie Brock who collapses into their apartment. Why they didn't kill him when they had him all fucked up like this, I have no idea. I guess presumably he just escaped. But yeah, it's interesting that he would come to Peter Parker's home and that, you know, Mary Jane didn't just shoot him in the face because last time he was there, he tried to kill her. Part four is in Spider-Man number 35. And um, this is where the parties start getting a little bit bigger. So Mary Jane has a huge fight with Spider-Man uh, when Venom is there. She's just furious. She's a big problem, obviously. She storms out angrily while Peter's still like, but I, Venom, it, what? Like, he has no idea what's going on. And it kind of takes him blindsided. Venom wakes up long enough to tell Peter he hates having to come to him, but they know the carnage is back. Don't know how, but he is. I gotta say, real quick, the 90s mullet that Tom Lyle in the Spider-Man issues draws on Eddie Brock. I mean, my God, what a mullet. Anyway, he's sleepy from getting his ass handed to him, so he goes back to sleep. Spidey needs to talk to somebody about this, so Mary Jane's not there because she's throwing a tantrum, so he goes to talk to the black cat. Um, she somehow doesn't know what's going on. I mean, you would think like every single person in Civil Central Park, not to mention the Ravencroft Institute, and probably a whole lot more being slaughtered would be like everywhere. But anyway, she wakes up like, nope, no clue what's going on. And Spider-Man explains what's going on. So she joins his team. So he's finally at least got some help. Demo Goblin confronts Carnage and his gang. And after a bunch of nonsense, they decide to keep him on the team. Because he says something to the effect of like, until every sinner in this world is nothing but bone and ash, I will find everyone to punish. So Carnage is like, oh, that's metal to come hang out with us. So there's this... Beginning of another thing that we're going to see over and over in this issue, which is Peter's debating methodology and morality with the black cast, saying that they can't cross the lines the bad guys do, or they're no different from the bad guys, and that they should be arrested too. Felicia simplifies it for him. Black Cat simplifies it for him by telling him, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. And this dude is trouble. Like, he needs to be put down. Uh, they go team up with Venom, and Peter lays down his ground rules. I'm bored to save lives, quote, if anyone on either side tries to kill someone, I'll do whatever it takes to stop them. Got it? And it's like, oh, God. I mean, I get where he's coming from. And this is definitely a stance he would take. But when there's a band of monsters running around killing hundreds of people at random every whatever minutes or hours, shouldn't you be doing whatever you could possibly do to stop them and not wringing your hands about hurting the psych psychopathic superpowered murderers? I don't know. Maybe this just me. So um, we have our first big fight. Cloak confronts Carnage then by himself. Like, I don't know what he thought he was going to do, but he shows up and um, gets attacked right away. And Spider-Man and Black Cat and Venom are swinging around looking for trouble. And they see, like, one of Shriek's blasts burst through a rooftop. So they're like, oh, there it is. And so Spidey and them show up in time to save Cloak. Uh, but immediately Spider-Man starts hand-wringing about not killing and thinking to himself that teaming up with Venom's a bad idea. Rather than continuing a fight, which I still think Carnage and his team have the upper hand in, um, he orders the Demon Goblin to burn the roof and bring this whole place down. And then Carnage and them go to flee. Problem is, Venom, who's already kind of weak, is even more weakened by the fire caused by the Demon Goblin, and he loses consciousness and can't keep up, plummets down towards the fiery wreckage, which would mean his death. So Spidey's after Carnage, and then when he notices that Black Cat is covered in burning rubble and never made it out of the collapsing building. So he has to choose. Chase Carnage and save, you know, hundreds? Or leave the Black Cat and Venom to die? Which is actually a pretty good, you know, quandary to find himself in. You know, I don't know. The Demon Goblin stuff is really cheesy. Like, he when he first shows up to Carnage's name, he's like, I'll kill you all. And they're like, join us. And he's like, yeah, sure, I'll join. So it's like, huh? I don't know. The pacing at the end of this issue is hilarious. So Venom being weakened and fainting towards the flames is all told through dialogue. There's no hint from the art that there's anything wrong with Venom. The last image of him in the issue is him web swinging after Carnage. But the word balloon says, we, we can't. The flames weakened us. Barely hanging on. It's up to you. And in the next panel, Spidey says, Venom lost consciousness. He's falling back toward the warehouse. Hasn't got a chance if I don't... I mean, it's pretty bad, guys. You show. It's a visual medium. You don't tell. Like, that's 
It's awful. Uh, anyway, part five, entitled Over the Line, is in Spectacular 201. You know, this is, I don't know, Spidey. So anyway, we'll pick up where we left off. Spidey goes similar hemming and hawing about the decision to make when Venom just staggers out of the wreckage anyways. Spidey hops down, who uh, we've seen that he saved Black Cat. And Spider made a miss to them that he came back for them rather than chasing Carnage, which uh, makes Venom freak out on him. And Cat signs with Venom. She's like, you know, they they probably would have been okay without his help, but they might not have been. But you made the wrong call. You need to go after these freaks. And so Spider-Man's like, fine, I'll do it by myself. And uh, he, you know, he says, I'll do everything in my power to stop Carnage, but I won't do it Venom's way. Never, I won't do it his way anymore. Not that he ever did at all or even attempted or even thought about Anyway, Venom and Black Hat take off. Spider-Man watches them go, and then he sags with his exhaustion. Like, my ribs. Oh, this day sucks. Shriek and Carnage start molding their little gang like this weird family, like Manson family. It's very strange. You know, Shriek asks Carnage for milk and cookies, milk and Girl Scout cookies, but of course we'll have to kill a few dozen Girl Scouts first. So, you know, it's very strange. It's very strange. So Peter is kind of, again, he, he's so busy wringing, wringing his hands in this story. He goes to Aunt May for some advice, but he, obviously he can't tell her what's going on. Basically tells her he, he wishes Uncle Ben was there because he's probably doesn't know what to do. He feels like he knows what the right thing to do is, what the wrong thing to do is, but it just doesn't feel as black and white as it used to. And Aunt May's listening to him and she tells him, yeah, listen to your heart. You'll do the right thing, which, you know, nothing. So Peter's fake dad was listening. And when Aunt May leaves the room, he tells him, like, deep down, everyone has a devil inside of them and that the evil and sadistic people will, will do whatever they can to break people and destroy them. And while he's telling this story, Carnage and his gang are murdering. There's a, a splash panel where Carnage is single-handedly killing like four people. Demon Goblin like five more. Shriek like two more. There's fire everywhere. Someone's the, the doppelganger's like throwing a car. Like It's just chaos and death. There's bodies all over the ground. Meanwhile, Peter's sitting there listening to his dad, fake dad, like... Yeah, you got to fight fire with fire. So we're thinking, like, we're going to get the story where Spidey just snaps, right? And we we find that Venom and Black Cat are chasing Carnage, and they're, they're now joined by Cloak. And they just are always one step behind the bad guys. I don't know how they can't find these constant massacres. Just follow the blood and screams, man. But they can't seem to catch them. Uh, it's here that Carrion, that villain that can kill with a touch, just kind of floats out of the sewer. And after Carnage and them, like, I'll be on your team now. And... We get a moment where Spidey's getting mobbed by people, just random civilians. And we don't know why yet, but this this happens a few times. We'll learn why later. Um, and he just lashes out with beaten ass. I don't know. The stuff about Peter's dad, it feels, besides the fact that it's just terrible, it feels unnecessary. And I know they're trying to play it up like Spidey's had enough. And maybe this will take his, maybe he'll take this further than he has ever taken it before. But it rings hollow. You know, if seeing hundreds of bodies that Carnage and his gang have left in their wake doesn't have him like fuming with murderous rage. I don't think a pep talk from a quote-unquote man you barely know who seems a little unstable frankly is really going to do it for you. So that is the kind of first leg of the stories in part six and we have a Spider-Man 102. Carnage, it's mostly about Carnage and his gang going into a brand new nightclub and just murdering his way, their way through the crowd. And of course, this is the nightclub where Mary Jane went to just dance off some stress. I mean, at this point, New York looks like hell on earth and it's really bad. We see Carrion floating around where he sees Morbius, the living vampire, uh, killing some more of our precious 90s generic street punks. And uh, we see that Venom and them have been watching and recruit Morbius to their team. Why Morbius is in this book, besides the fact that he was briefly very popular in the early 90s, I have no idea. But the same can be said for most of the characters Really, most of the characters by the end. I mean, this really could have just been Spider-Man, Black Cat, Venom and Carnage, and Shriek. You know? That's all you need. Anywho, uh, Spider-Man's back home recuperating again, putting on a new costume. He still doesn't know where Mary Jane is, and he doesn't seem that worried that she's out in New York during, you know, Massacre Day. Also, who's opening a club when there's a gang of supervillains just murdering everyone in sight? I, it just seems like maybe postponed a little while. Make sure there's people to come to your event. It's New York's newest celebrity-owned Midtown nightclub, The Deep. Really stupid. But they come and start killing everybody, and there's a cool bit because it's like this really rich dude opened the club. Um, he's got the TVs in Times Square kind of showing what's going on inside the club, like kind of check out these beautiful people dancing. And instead, they see yet another massacre, but it's, it's broadcast across Times Square, which is probably still full of bodies, frankly. So Spidey is trying to help everyone he can, 
all over the city, despite his condition. He has no idea how to find Carnage in them, because everywhere he looks, it's just chaos. Morbius smells freshly spilled blood and leads Venom and the gang towards the club. And uh, there's this big confrontation, and Venom, of all people, saves Mary Jane from Carnage, which was interesting. And she's like, fuck this. Like, this is shit. Spidey sees the broadcast on Times Square. He goes ahead to join the fight. He knocks a wall down when he gets there to allow some bystanders to flee. But it's funny because he like he busts in that wall. Like if there's people on the other side, they would have been fucking dead. And I just I brought this up, and it's the main reason I brought up the fight of the deep because there's so many shitty one-liners in here. Um, these web of Spider-Man issues are probably some of the weaker ones. But at one point, Spider-Man and the Black Cat like double-team dropkick Carnage. And this is like the most dangerous dude on the planet. And while they're doing it, Spidey says, join me, Cat. And Cat says, anytime, Spider Stud. See, you're attacking the devil, essentially. And you're like, it's, you know, everyone's just yelling and punching and yelling. And uh, Demon Goblin pumpkin bombs the hell, as Stan said in Mallrats. He pumpkin bombs the hell out of the place, uh, which allows for our villains to make an escape. And uh, Spidey goes to, you know, make sure Mary Jane's okay and... Once Venom and them team up with him to make sure everybody's safe, Spider-Man tells him, I'm all the way with you on this one now. He worries, what kind of person would I be if I'd allowed something like this to happen again? And I want to be like, it's happened like nine times now. What the fuck? But yeah, we start to see a pattern here, right? So each issue is becoming Venom and friends chase around after Carnage and pals. Carnage and pals kill dozens or more people. Venom and friends show up and fight. Bad guys escape. Everyone debates killing. Uh... You know, it might have been more effective to have Carnage and his pals win some of these fights outright rather than it's becoming a stalemate. Let's beat it every single time. Um, it, yeah, it's just, um, I don't know. I, I will, I, you know, I, I think I figured out why Morbius is in this story because he is like a bloodhound for them. Like, he can tell the good guys where Carnage them are just by the scent of all the blood they're spilling. So it kind of is an interesting, like, I, all right, you can put him in the story and I'll be cool with it. But it's, the next part. Part seven is where we start to get a little nuts. So Spidey and them are all, they, they go to like the children's home that Carnage was raised in and like tortured in and stuff. They're debating like, what can we do about this? And Venom reminds them that Reed Richards from the Fantastic Four has a sonic gun that's not super fun for symbiotes. And the Black Cat points out, hey, they also have the Human Torch. Might be awesome since to have a guy made of fire since Carnage is weak against fire. But Spidey just goes, nah, the FF and Avengers are out of town. Well, I mean, A, I would hope so, because otherwise, what the fuck are they doing? And B, I love that every time there was, like, some major event back in the 90s, that was the go-to line. It's like, they're busy. <laughs> they're out of town. But anyway, he, Spidey suggests Firestar from the New Warriors as a suitable replacement for the Human Torch, and Cloak fucks off to find her. And uh, Spidey notes that Cloak normally needs Dagger to help him teleport, but she's dead, right? Hmm. Yeah, so Carnage and them are continuing to kill everybody when they, they finally meet Carrion, and Carnage is, like, super stoked uh, about Carrion. He says, I read about him when I was in the stir. That's Carrion. He decays people just by touching them. He used to be my hero. Now he's the perfect partner. The, the, Carrion has, like most characters in this story, a very confusing continuity. There's been, like, three different Carrions and, you know, a, a lot of questions about who he really is and all this shit. And, like, four different writers have tried it and they've all, like, completely, uh, like, undone what was done previously and, and, and uh, contradicted stuff. I mean, it's just a mess. So there's this um, pretty humorous way to address it, I thought, when Shriek says, Hey, I just remember, didn't Carrion die in an explosion a while back? To which Carnage replies, Who knows and who cares? And then we meet Deathlock, who is using the computer side of his brain to keep tabs on the destruction and determines he needs to stop it. I don't know why he needed a computer to tell him that, but okay. And Spidey and his team go to the FF headquarters to try to break in and get the sonic gun. And while he's doing that and all the chaos, Spidey stops, uh, stops to go stop carjacking. But because everybody's going freaking nuts everywhere, instead of thanking him, people start trying to kill him. And the black cat jumps in and starts screaming at him, what are you doing playing traffic cop? People are being slaughtered. And we start to get a hint that maybe there's something more to this mob mentality going on besides shit's crazy, you know? So Carnage and his gang are continuing to murder their way across everywhere when Deathlock shows up and attacks him. Carrion touches him, which should kill most heroes, but because Deathlock's already dead, it does fuck all. He then takes out Carrion and Diva Goblin, but when he bitch slaps Doppelganger, Shriek really gets pissed off and shoots him through a uh, like a billboard, uh, an electronic billboard, which overloads his system. And they leave him hanging there getting electrocuted as like a symbol of do not fuck with us. 
so Spidey and his team are successful in borrowing Reed Richards' sonic gun, and they regroup with Cloak, who now has Firestar. She was conveniently the only member of the New Warriors that was home, and was also somehow totally unaware that an alien serial killer and a bunch of freaks had killed hundreds or thousands of New Yorkers and were currently at large. So, but with the Sonic Gun and another team member who can shoot freaking fire from her hands, it looks like sides are kind of evening up here. But unfortunately, it's going to keep going like this. So, <laughs> so, yeah, the addition of Deathlock is a bit much. And I really dig the character, particularly this version, and his inclusion in the story is totally unnecessary and only serves to add what it, to what is already a uh, much too large cast, which will only grow, unfortunately. And it's, it's actually, to be honest, it's pretty crazy to see all these scenes of Carnage and his cronies just like wholesale murdering the city of New York. Um, you would think there'd be an or, a more intense response. So this story was told like in the current Marvel Universe, the Avengers, S.H.I.E.L.D., I mean, everybody would be showing up by part four at the latest. And um, I mean, I, I like the idea of keeping the cast quote unquote smaller, but it does strain credibility a little bit that he's only trying to evade Spider-Man and Venom. It'd be very cool to see this this story from a uh, like the Marvels point of view. For those who don't know the story, Marvels it's like a man on the street retelling of like the origin of Marvel Comics uh, from like a civilian's point of view. So it'd be very cool to see what a civilian would think of this shit. You I mean it'd be utter, utterly terrifying. Like, if you didn't just go mad with rage yourself and join the mobs, you'd probably be their victim or someone or thing else's victim. For like a street cop or a hot dog vendor or a cab driver. It's like a, you know, whoever. This shit would be fucking nuts. Uh, part eight is in Spider-Man 36. <laughs> There's a bit at the beginning of this that makes me laugh so hard where Spidey and his allies confront Jameson and say, we want, help, we want you to help us set a trap for Carnage, right? And then outside, you see this bystander on the street just hanging out, like leaning against the light pole reading a, a newspaper. Like, Get inside, you fucking idiot. Uh, and Carnage stabs him in the heart through the paper and takes the paper. And the headline on the paper reads, Carnage, come home. So uh, Carnage's gang go to the orphanage Carnage grew up in, and it's very strange. Where he's kind of like reliving past trauma. Checking in on Deathlock, he's like hanging from the sign, and this electrician dude's trying to, to get him down, but it's very dangerous. When out of nowhere, Iron Fist shows up, punches the sign out, and just carries Deathlock away. Like, what the fuck? Okay. <laughs> I really wish that was the last you saw of him. It'd be really funny. Like, why were they here? But um, anyway, the orphanage, Spider-Man and his team ambush Carnage and them, and... Um, Venom is using the sonic gun on Carnage he got from Reed Richards, and it's doing, like, fuck all. It does, like, nothing. And Venom is very confused, because that would jack him up. Firestar, however, is, like, super effective against him, and nearly kills him. I mean, she really almost does. And when he's kind of, like, on the ropes, uh, Venom closes in to try to kill him. And he's yanked away by Spider-Man's web, who again says, There have to be limits! And Shriek scratches his cheek open, letting his blood out, which lets the symbiote back out, and he's back in business and super pissed off. So this issue is basically just a big fight. It's a trap for Carnage to come home. It, it, their trap is to be like, come home, which he does, and they attack him. Brilliant. Yeah, that's brilliant. Uh, <laughs> I, I like that the Sonic Gun does nothing, um, especially since that's basically how he was bitten last time with Sonics. But now it's like, oh shit, we're really in it. And, but Spider-Man pulling Venom off of him, I kind of say it's a bit much. There is no redeeming qualities. There is no second chance for him, right? He is a killer. That's all he's ever going to want to do. And he also has a terribly, terribly powerful alien symbiote living in his fucking bloodstream. You would think even Spider-Man would recognize this dude needs to die. Um, and this... Honestly, this won't even be the last time Spider-Man stops someone from killing him. I mean, at this point, the bodies are on you, Peter. Part 9, Spectacular 202. Carnage is back and rejuvenated, and he's about to beat the living shit out of people. Firestar and Spider-Man continue to hem and haw about methodology, and we can't kill people. And Black Cat has a nice wake-up call. She's like, look around, motherfuckers. <laughs> like, why don't you two debate the issue for an hour or two? Be sure to do a body count when you're done. So Shriek and Cloak are fighting, and she's taunting him about how, you know, she really went mad, and she was just a junkie, and you did this to me, and I'm the way I am because of you, and so Dagger died because of you, and turns out that she actually has powers besides like sonic blast I, I don't know who the fuck came up with her power set it's super weird but she can also amplify feelings of anger guilt shame and throw it back at you so creating like a loop where it just keeps intensifying which she does the cloak which makes him flee she can she's like a negative emotion transmitter it's kind of confusing. She, basically, she says, I can take all the little bed bugs crawling around inside my head and transmit them out to anyone who's close to me. Like these charming citizens. Normally, it just shakes them up a little. But since I've been hanging with Carnage and soaking up his sick vibes, I've been able to really pump up the volume. 
Carnage is the battery. I'm the radio. And together, we can make anybody as crazy as we are. So we're getting the explanation for why people everywhere are going fucking nuts. It's not just that there's this alien looks like he's covered in blood who actually probably is covered in blood killing everybody in sight. It's the fact that his girlfriend is making him go bonkers. Yeah, so Black Cat gets taken out by some rioters that have arrived when Shriek increases her range. Yeah, so more. It, it, they're basically, long story short, they're all getting taken out one at a time. Firestar is the only one that's doing anything. Like Carnage literally runs away from her. And so Venom's like, you're our ace in the hole. You've got to kill him. You have to. Spider-Man finally agrees with Venom. Firestar needs to attack Carnage. Don't stop. So she starts blasting him, and he's begging. He's dying. Venom's loving it, and Spidey's sickened by it. And he yells at Firestar, who's clearly not enjoying this either, by the way, to stop. And she relents, leaving Carnage, like, covered in drippy symbiote, like, muttering to himself. Venom is like, what the fuck? So he starts trying to attack Firestar, and then Venom... Uh, Spidey attacks Venom, and yeah. So he... Spidey attacks Venom, but he's hurt. So Venom just swats him away, and he goes to attack Carnage. Shriek blasts them and then uh you know her her powers fuck him up so then she starts jacking him up venom's a bloody mess and carnage and shriek grab him and swing away as they swing away with the unconscious venom spider-man's dragging himself along the ground desperately like, oh I gotta, I gotta find something to do. and um out of nowhere there's captain america Just, hey i'm here too now cap's inclusion is a lot better than the you know uh, Iron Fist and the Deathlocks like it, it his arrival makes sense and is actually a turning point in the story because F- Spider Man has just been surrounded by people who don't think like he does and Firestar is the only one that's on the same page he is but now you got Captain America there's nobody in the nineties in, Sp- in Marvel Comics that thinks along Spider Man's lines more than Captain America so it's um like in your darkest hour who do you want to see holding out their hand to help you it's fucking Captain America. So, yeah, it's been, uh, leg two is a bit of a slog. It's it's wash, rinse, repeat. It's, we gotta do this. We can't do it. We gotta do it. We can't do it. Okay, you're right. We should do it. No, don't do it. And it's just constant, you know? Chase the bad guys, find them, fight, argue, they run away. Chase the bad guys, find them, fight, argue, they run away. Repeat, 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 repeat. We're entering the third leg here, and it's time to get to the horrible conclusion. I should point out, it sounds like this is really stupid, and it's because it is, but it's also really fun. Um, it, I mean, it really is. It's it's not good by any stretch of the imagination. The artwork's pretty good at times, but as far as like '90s comics go, like, this is this is actually pretty fun. Uh, I would. This is definitely one of the crossover events I will reread every couple years. If nothing else, it's a massive nostalgia bomb. Uh, so yeah, we get into leg three, part ten in Web of Spider-Man 103. So again, Carnage's gang are slaughtering their way through the streets uh, with Venom captured in tow, and Captain America, Spider-Man, and Firestar regroup at Avengers headquarters when Cap notices something screwy going on with the computers. How in the world did the World War II vet notice that, and Spider-Man didn't? Whatever. Uh, he runs a diagnostic and discovers a power drain being caused by none other than Deathlock, who is hacking into the Avengers system to try to pinpoint Carnage as well. Um, I mean, can't you guys just like step outside and listen for the screams? It's not like this dude's hiding. Anyway, um, they find Deathlock's getting in their system with the aid of Iron Fist using his Rand Corporation technology. Cap invites him to assist, and Spidey goes home to regroup again. Um, so Black Hat, Cloak, and Morbius continue on Carnage's trail trying to find Venom, uh, but again, they're always one step too late. They're then ambushed by Demo Goblin, Karen, and Doppelganger. Meanwhile, Carnage and Shriek are torturing Venom, which is fun. Yeah, so anyway, they get they, they get ambushed, and um, things are not going well. Karen tries to kill Black Cat, but Morbius shoves her out of the way and takes what should be a killing touch, but because he's already kind of half-dead, he still lives. So basically, anybody that is a named character you can kind of guarantee that carrion is not going to kill so black cat tries to buy time but at this point it's just her and cloak and cloak's trying to help morbius so she is getting her ass beat when out of nowhere she's missed to safety by night watch the shitty 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 spawn ripoff who shows up with no explanation for who he is really we never get really much explanation for anything he's doing in this story other than he shows up to save the black cat and then he also saves uh, Morbius from the sun. So, uh, but his appearance does shift the momentum, and the the bad guys are forced to flee. Uh, so, anyway, back at Avengers headquarters, they the heroes regroup and they're off to stop everybody once and for all. 
real quick, the art in this issue is garbage, but uh, <laughs> it's um, the illusion of progress in this ish issue. Really nothing happens. Uh, all that happens really is Carnage and Shriek start to torture Venom, and Nightwatch replaces Black Cat on the team. And you might notice a trend here. He randomly shows up, doesn't really do anything, and adds nothing to the story. And by the end of this issue, we're exactly, well, almost exactly where we were at the very beginning, as Morbius and his team chase after Carnage with Venom captive, Spidey and Cap's kind of ad hoc Avengers team is getting ready. I mean, it's, it's again, wash, rinse, repeat. This 14-parter could have been six easily. But again, uh, don't mean to just constantly shit on it. it. It's looking at it in hindsight. At the time, this was fucking sweet. So in part 11, Amazing Spider-Man 380, um, Shriek is just amped way up, and she is making this place go fucking nuts. Like, New Yorkers are just going crazy and attacking each other right and left. Yeah, so Captain America smacks her with his shield, and knocks her out and the good guys are like cool and carnage is still torturing venom and the, okay so this is the this issue has my favorite parts to make fun of the idea isn't bad but the execution's really stupid so the idea is that shriek's powers are like at their zenith right and uh we see like a series of sequences where the mere presence of heroes is enough to cause people to realize the error of their ways and kind of come to their senses. So just looking at like Deathlock, the zombie computer guy, or Iron Fist, this weirdo dressed like a 70s kung fu master with like a giant collar, it's just bizarre. Like there's these two, these <laughs> this woman's about to be like sexually assaulted by two guys when Firestar flies by and like her light lights up the alley and they're like, oh my God, what were we gonna do? That's in, oh, and the woman forgives them, and that's in the course of four panels. Spider-Man stops a woman from throwing her babies off a roof. Like, it's pretty fucked up. Um, See, so then the bad guys regroup. Fighting starts over, but this time, the, the the people are, like, throwing bottles at them. Like, knock it off. We're not your puppets anymore. Spider-Man gave us blah, blah, blah. And uh, Shriek gets pissed off and, like, lights up. Like, she literally lights up. She uses her power so hard. Even, like, the, the good guys are getting a hit of it. And uh, at the end of the issue, the entire crowd has turned on the heroes, like, the intent to murder them. So this whole issue is basically just, like, Shriek is badass. Like, that's that's kind of the whole point. You know, Venom is still being tortured. Black Cat and Cloak have voluntarily sidelined themselves. So by this point, we have a whole new team of heroes with Spider-Man at chapters 10 and 11. Like, <laughs> what the fuck, guys? Um, so yeah, so this, really quick, the scene where the hero's presence, like, fixes the writers is absolutely hilarious. My favorite is this African-American young guy, and he's dressed like he just got out of karate class in the 80s. He's got a nunchuck in each hand, and he's, like, wailing on people, like, make fun of me, huh? And he sees Iron Fist, and in, like, two seconds, he's bowing, like, my bad. Uh, at any time, the writers at this time in these books try to get across a message like love trumps hate or violence isn't the answer. They do it in like the most overhanded after school special manner. It's absolutely hilarious. Uh, and like I said, the padding is getting ridiculous at this point. Just ridiculous. Part 12, Spider-Man 37. Venom is still torturing Carnage, but like Carnage has been shooting him with that sonic gun they stole from Reed Richards. And unbeknownst to Carnage, Eddie snuck some of the symbiote in it and like it's been propagating in there, like kind of pulling more and more of itself. So when he goes to shoot him again, it like splashes him with Venom symbiote. And he uses this like momentary boost of energy to break free, smash Carnage, and like bust him, like get the fuck out of there, right? Like while he can. And there's this really whiny part from Carnage where instead of chasing Venom who's like not far away like easily could have caught him he's going I was winning and like screaming it over and over on his knees like no it's really stupid Cloak still hanging out in the church can't figure out why he's drawn to that place but he's there and we get more of like the cap and them like trying to subdue people and trying to fight the mob and it's just you know it's it's hopeless everything's hopeless it's stupid spider-man's hit his breaking point he starts beating up an innocent chimney yelling about how everything is hopeless he says he's going my father was right wait a minute and as he's doing that you see cloak suddenly have light like pouring out of him and he grins it's back at the bad guys uh carnage is pissed off the the people went out to kill people without his permission <laughs> that's for real. That's what he's mad about. He he smashes Shriek around, and then the doppelganger gets pissed off, and Carnage stabs it and kicks it off a roof. <laughs> and so, like, then he immediately makes a 180-degree turn, like, eh, no point dwelling in the past, and uh, basically threatens the ball and tax and, like, a family again. And they're all about to quit and tell him, like, to fuck off when Spidey and his allies show up. And they've been taking this opportunity, the villains fighting, to clear the street of civilians. And the two teams are about to face off, and they uh, are, are about to start throwing down in the street when suddenly light spills out, revealing Cloak and the somehow alive dagger. 
the idea of Shriek pushing people that our heroes refuse to hurt at them as a weapon is pretty cool. But it seems like it's more of an excuse to frustrate the heroes rather than putting them in any kind of real danger. You know, the villains are dangerous. Fight them. And not 15 times to a stalemate, but like once or twice definitively. <laughs> you know, Carnage attacking Treat for, for not asking his permission to kill people is pretty silly until you realize that he's just taking out his frustration from losing Venom on someone who knows is weaker than him because he's an asshole. Yeah, we are getting towards the end here. Part 13, Spectacular Spider-Man 203. Uh, this shit is bananas. This is the part. This is the part. As bad as part 14 is, this is the one that is fucking stupid. Shriek is starting to like kind of lose her grip on things with Dagger's reappearance. Like, I fucking killed her. What the hell? And Carrion tries to comfort her, so she blasts him, and she's freaking out, and uh, Dagger hits her with like some light knives, which... They're kind of like therapy knives, I guess. Like she starts to like calm down and try to start to like kind of come to her senses a little bit. She tries to attack Dagger like, fuck you. And Spidey saves her and he says, I think it's time. And the villains kind of regroup and they turn to start to fight the heroes. And the heroes are gone. Well, all but Spider-Man. And he's, I'm the one who's going to make you guys pay. I'm going to put you guys away. And it's just him versus all of them. And he starts actually doing pretty well. Like, he's, he's holding his own. He's getting hit a little bit, but he's, he's knocking some shots in. And he's taking their best shot, and he's surviving. Not in the best of shape, but he's doing it okay. And he's getting smacked by Shriek around. Uh, but, you know, if there's anybody that's good at facing their inner demons, it's Spider-Man. He's able to hold out long enough for the cavalry to arrive in the form of the stupidest, most ridiculous, most out-of-left-field nonsense bullshit ever, a good gun. I'm not fucking kidding you it's a good ray a good ray yeah so the text says the scientists at the nearby rand corporation laboratory where it was hastily created dubbed it an alpha magnet illuminizer but its purpose is far simpler than the name implies spider-man who conceived the idea and dispatched the others to see to its completion called it only half jokingly a good bomb Holy shit, this is fucking stupid. So the good ray forces the carrion virus from carrion, leaving him human and unconscious. For a second, Demo Goblin breaks free from the plot device gun, and he tries to get away, but Spidey webs him and yanks him back down into the ray where he collapses. Shriek's actually kind of digging it, saying, you know, if you stop struggling against the action, it feels really good. It's fun to be saved. Find redemption. And Carnage is so against any kind of that, that, that sentimentality that it's like the ray just keeps building and building and he just won't give in and it apparently overloads which causes a massive explosion that can be seen from like blocks away uh in the aftermath shriek is unconscious the carrion dude is uh conscious as himself for the first time in a very long time and it looks like carnage is dead uh there's a corpse lying on the ground with a fully intact spot uh, carnage face and his crotch is conveniently thankfully covered by symbiote and the rest is just like droopy puddles of shit on the ground um yeah his resistance and refusal to bend from his own insane ideals were to blame for his death and spidey goes and sits by a pond like whoo uh, in central park and um venom creeps up on him venom's pissed off that spider-man cheated him of his chance to kill carnage and he's about to attack spider-man but then he collapses weak from the tortures he's endured. And he's whimpering about spider-man stealing this moment from him stealing his revenge when a figure rises from the pond Carnage is still alive. And for some reason was just chilling in a pond in the park, which just happened to be the one Spider-Man was sitting by. Like, what the fuck? And whatever. Spider-Man's horrified. Venom is stoked. The fight is still not over. Uh, So yeah, that's part 13. And I have to just once again reiterate the ridiculousness and stupidity of the plot device gun, which for some reason is called a good bomb, despite it not being a bomb. (sighs) But after everything that these fuckers have done, they're defeated by a good gun that Spidey had the idea for. It took the rest of the heroes to get Rand Industries to get it made. They got it made in minutes? How? Who made it? Where were the blueprints? Why did Captain America and Firestar go? What good would they have done? Hmm? Why would Cloak and Dagger leave? Dagger just demonstrated she can fight these guys. Uh, yeah. So Spidey's been fighting with broken ribs nonstop for days and he hasn't slept and he stays behind, but the rest of them are like, we'll go build this gun. I, I can't stretch how much I but stress how much I hate this stupid fucking gun. I would love to talk to someone that worked on the story that knows the origin of this uh, 
will be kind and say idea. Anyway, we get to part 14, the hatred, the horror, and the hero in Spider-Man Unlimited number two, the big finale. So we pick up with the fight between Venom, Carnage, and Spider-Man. But in this case, Venom, who is previously just so weak he collapsed, is like really kicking ass. So he's beating Carnage's ass. He breaks Spider-Man's ribs on the other side. So now Spidey's just like, Carnage kind of runs away from Venom and he chases off to get him again. And Spidey goes to go to the emergency room because he's got like five broken ribs. We see that Carnage is breaking mentally like he's his, his his attack from the good gun has really messed with his brain and he's like kind of going to places that are familiar to him and having like weird episodes meanwhile like venom is just beating his ass like everywhere he goes um yeah peter goes home talks to his family about never giving in and being a hero and blah 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 it's like peter you know carnage is alive you know he's free and he's close to defeat and you go home and spend like hours talking to people i mean i know you're hurt but like bro ugh. This time, instead of ragging on Peter about shit, Mary Jane kind of gives him his go-get-him-tiger moment. He swings off to go find Venom and Carnage and stop them both. Yeah, there's this great bit where Carnage is back at the orphanage again, like, curled up in the fetal position. And Venom crashes through the wall like Kool-Aid Man and starts kicking his ass again. Spouting one-liners like, The only thing you're fit to rule is the kingdom of never-ending pain! <laughs> and too bad Venom don't play that. Ah, oh, 90s. Uh, when Spidey shows up, he's like strangling Carnage with his own symbiote, which is super badass. Uh, Spidey kicks Venom in the back like, don't you kill somebody, not even a lunatic like Carnage. So Spidey and Venom start fighting. Venom's like, I truly don't understand. Like, Venom's like, you don't get it. We created Carnage. We feel responsible for this awful shit. Like, he has to be defeated. He's our dark side, a distorted version of everything we believe in. We have to stop him. And Spidey's like, fucking no shit, dude. That's how I feel about you. And Venom is like, honestly confused. Which is actually nice writing. That's a, that's a cool moment. And, of course, this is also the moment they both realize they're really bad at this. And Carnage got away again. Uh, we see the Black Cat calls Mary Jane to check on Peter. And Mary Jane tells her, like, yeah, he went out again. And Black Cat's like, fuck, man. Meanwhile, Spider-Man and Venom sort of team up again, swing around looking for Carnage. And they see all these people running from the cemetery. And they find him digging up his mother's grave. He says, dear old mom, she's right where I left her after dad killed her for trying to kill me. Or am I thinking of someone else? Not that it matters. I know she won't turn away. She can't. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so at this point, he's clearly playing with a few dozen cards short of a deck. Venom is like kicking his ass and he knocks him towards this like fenced off area with these big ass generators, which are in a cemetery for some reason. I don't know. A lot of electricity needed in the cemetery. And he teases Carnage and he kicks his ass and he kicks his ass and he kicks his ass. Spider-Man is trying to stop them and he pops in between them with maybe the stupidest thing ever spoken by Spider-Man. He says, Cassidy never had a chance because of the abuse he suffered when he was young and that, I shit you not, in his own fashion, he just may be the most innocent of us all. Yeah, Spidey, the guy that just killed like half of New York City for fun is the most innocent of us all because his childhood sucked. It's so stupid. Even Carnage calls bullshit on it. I mean, I know I'm not supposed to agree with Carnage, but come on. He's about to kill Spider-Man when he's stopped at the last moment by the newly arriving Black Cat who kicks him in the ribs. And then Carnage runs away from the woman without super strength. He grabs his mom's coffin. He tries to get out of there. Venom stops him again, beats the snot out of him. And one shot, like, really connects. And um, it, like, kind of clears the cobwebs from Carnage's head. Uh, unfortunately for him, before he can do anything about that, Venom tackles them into this mysteriously placed generation generator, and it explodes. How it explodes, I couldn't tell you, but with a spakwoom, that's the sound effect, <laughs> it explodes. So uh, Spider-Man and Black Cat pull in unconscious and badly burn Cassidy from the fire. Venom is not to be found. Uh, Black Cat points out Venom's ability to use Brock's ability to use the Venom symbiote to like blend into camouflage is probably why they can't find him. Nineties Avengers show up. Hey, look, it's Thunderstrike. And they grab uh, Cassidy, and they're taking him away. And the Black Hat notices that Cassidy's mother's coffin is empty. To which Spidey replies, quote, The old empty coffin trick, huh? I wonder what Cassidy was planning. Maybe Cassidy didn't leave enough of his mother's body to bury. Or he could have had a bizarre reason for wanting it empty. Ah, we could do this all day. With a guy like Cassidy, there's no guarantee of a logical explanation. <laughs> what? Um, okay, you know, it, anyway, that so it ends with them just like Spidey just walks off into the distance with the graves of Norman and Harry Osborn in the foreground. And he says, believe it or not, some monsters stay dead and buried forever and their ghosts can't haunt them unless you uh, can't haunt you 
unless you allow them. The end of Maximum Carnage. The ending is fucking garbage. Um, and this finale is a little weird. It, it like hits a lot of the bullet points. Parts 1 through 13 have hit repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. Venom wants to kill Carnage. Spider-Man doesn't. They argue. Carnage gets away. Spidey's got hurt ribs. Spidey goes home to Mary Jane. They talk about him being in danger. He swings off. Heroes stumble on villains. Villains stumble on heroes. They fight. Wash. Rinse. Repeat. <laughs> I mean, like, fuck, man. You know, I would have preferred the fight wrapped up a little earlier in the issue so they could have like spent the second half about like an epilogue instead of like standing around for a page like nothing makes sense but oh well the end alright there you have it all 14 chapters of Maximum Carnage very fucking dated in places and some of the characterization is outright awful but the high points are high it's, it is a lot of fun alright I mostly talked about the stupid shit but there is a lot of fun in here um, it's Nothing I didn't talk about. I mentioned everything, but it is, while it is cheesy and dumb and bombastic and loud and thoughtless and just really stupid, it is also entertaining, fast-paced, and fun. So for any 12-year-old out there, or for anyone that has an appreciation for 90s superhero comics, it's a must-read. If you're a fan of Venom, if you're a fan of Carnage, it is must-read. It is the quintessential Carnage story. It is what he will always be judged by. It's got a totally sweet video game uh, that made it to the Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo uh, that you can actually... Um, it's actually really fun. It's just a beat-em-up, but you can play as both Spider-Man and Venom. It's got all, most of the guest stars in the story as like uh, NPCs in it, so it's very fun. It is... Uh, we didn't mention it in... Um, our video game, comic book video game episode, because we were trying to keep them to like one per character, and this is definitely a Spider-Man game. So, uh, but it is fun. So, like the story, it's stupid and it's kind of dumb, but it's fun. Uh, you know, Maximum Carnage has a lot of faults to it, clearly, but at the end of the day, it is one of a number of stories like it from the same era that are fondly remembered. '90s comics. Uh, you know, some other examples would be like the X-Men Fatal Attractions, um, or the Extinction Agenda, or my favorite Executioner's Song. You know. Big, over-the-top, bombastic dialogue, nonsense plots, characters everywhere. Fight, 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 fight. It's fun. You know, dumb 90s comics fun. So thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you guys hanging out and listening to Maximum Carnage with me. You know, if you haven't read it, I hope you give it a shot. If you have, I hope you enjoy the trip down memory lane with me. You know, check us out over at ComicZombie.net where uh, we just finished our Top 100 Heroes articles, finally. So thanks for your patience sticking with those. And uh, we're putting up new content as much as we possibly can. So please check us out over at ComicZombie.net. You can find us on Discord, Instagram, Facebook at ComicZombie, and Twitter at ComicZombie2, because apparently there was another one. Uh, But yeah, check us out. You can also find us over at ProbablyWork.com, along with plenty of other great podcasts, including where you can find myself and Eric on Podcasters Assembled and the occasional episode of Podcasters Disassembled with our buddy Zach Derby. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Join us next time at same copyright infringement time, same copyright infringement channel. This has been a presentation of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Follow us on Twitter at ProbablyWork for more of our questionable content. Also, we have a website called ProbablyWork.com.